0: Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville
1: Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur Coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of What's the Plan? Uh, we're excited to have on today's program, Mr. Mark Carbonero, frequent guest Woo-hoo! and the producer of this program, and always always provides. He's you're kind of like the Dan Miller. Uh, you provide these interesting perspectives. We need more ruck, uh, what are the muck rakers in um, yes. Pacific Grove and Monterey? to Really, kind of kind of rake the muck. Up. Rake the muck. We need to go with some old yellow journalism here. Well, <laughs> before we do all that, Mark uh, slings all the dirty secrets of Monterey County. Uh, I just want to put out that I'm the uh, owner of Express Employment Professionals. Monterey County and Express. We can help your business find great people. So call us today 831-920-1857 or if you're looking for a great job, just call us 831-920-1857 or the easiest way. In fact, I should probably not even put out the phone number. Uh, Just Google Express Employment Monterey and we will be the first uh, hit on that. And also, of course, you can get this program at What's the Plan Monterey we're almost triple digits on the downloads, Mark. So, yes. uh, well, what's the plan good. Monterey? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it's a small auditorium of people downloading. So what's the plan Monterey is where you can go, or you just go to iTunes, uh, and listen to it there. I think if you just Google, what's the plan Monterey, mm-hmm. uh, it comes up that way too. Maybe a small
0: so, group, but they could be influencers, which is always important, you know,
1: they are, they are, you know, I think they are. I think they're out shouting from the hilltops, all the great, uh, the pearls of wisdom that drop from our lips every week. Um, I uh, I don't know if that's true, yeah. but anyway, Mark, what's hey, going on this weekend in, well, in the greater the, Monterey area?
0: I think the biggest story of the local news story of the week is that the Monterey Peninsula Water Management District on Monday offered Calam four hundred and forty nine dollars for its. $449 million, that is, for its Monterey water system, which is not for sale. Now, uh, Calam says that that's a low ball offer and that, uh, that only represents half of what they believe the system is worth. They've, they've pegged the worth of the s- system somewhere around $1 billion. But the figure that the Monterey Peninsula Water Management District is going to go with is this um, $450 million figure. And um, I just think either way, whatever ends up happening, it is going to cost the end users, the rate payers, an arm and a leg. Because, you know, you, well, first off, look at the, look at it this way. When you buy something with long term debt, and this is going to be a 20 or 30 year note, probably a 30 year note, just like buying a house, right? And so you buy a house for half a million dollars with a 30 year note, and what does it cost you at the end of 30 years? Double, right? Mm-hmm. So this water system could end up costing the ratepayers of the Monterey Peninsula twice. Of what the you know the the advertised sale price is now, if Calam gets their billion dollars and the water district still decides to go ahead because I really believe that these these people that want public water are so hard headed that you know they don't care what the amount is after all, it's not their money, it's ours uh they will go ahead and and pursue this till the end of time till they can find a court that will grant their eminent domain case. You know and and give them the result that they want and force Calam to sell it to them, but say that it ends up going for what Calam says it's worth. Well, now you have a two billion dollar price tag, and you have thirty two thousand customers on the peninsula, so whether they're going to pay the uh the note on a billion dollars or two billion dollars or some figure in between, what is that going to mean for your monthly water bill if you're one of those wait, wait, how many, can people? you
1: how many repeat how many uh, rate payers are there in this
0: district? There are 32,000 water customers. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. remember, the water district is basically from Carmel all the way through Seaside. Fort Ord and Marina are a separate water system. So, all that population, water customers don't count. You have a lot of mutual water systems out in Carmel Valley. I mean, there's parts of Carmel Valley that so, are on Cal-Am, but...
1: You, to, put that, to put that into perspective, that's about $15,000 per customer. And so so going back to your house example, this is interesting because this is a simple, like engineering terms, you would, you know, you would have a buy versus lease. So if you right. lease the car, you pay a certain amount. And mm-hmm. if you buy the car, obviously you, you pay another amount. And the difference is, so if you're leasing the car, obviously if you buy, you know, in this case, if it's a five hundred million dollar car, if you lease the car, you pay a certain amount every month uh, above what you would have paid. So, if you mm-hmm. bought it and you, there were no payment, then you would just pay the price of the car. So, essentially, you're paying a little more with the lease every month, right? And so, you've got to think of how. So, in this case, it would be fifteen thousand dollars per rate payer. How long would it take for them to pay for that? And if, and in your case, you're arguing that it's going to be four times as much at two million dollars or two billion dollars. That would be $60,000 per rate payer. And, that's and another, you're absolutely right. that's
0: another $2,000 a year, right? And yeah. So that's what, a couple hundred dollars a month more?
1: Yeah, and it's so, so, and how much are we really going to save a couple hundred dollars a month? I d- no, we're not. It's hard to, it's hard to uh, yeah, imagine yeah. that's true because I don't even know if my water bill
0: is $200 right. a month. <laughs> <So And> here, <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Well, it will be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it will be. <laughs> you know, here's the other thing, too, is let's say that calam it says that in a few weeks calam is going to let the water district know their answer to the question you know will you sell us the system for this amount of money or not and well, the answer
1: in the article in the fine code it says it's not for sale yeah they're, they're <laughs> going to say
0: they're going to say or not <laughs> okay and yeah. so then the water district is going to proceed with the eminent domain now calam That's... is going to defend themselves if they decide to that they still don't want to sell and whatever millions of dollars are racked up in attorneys fees to defend themselves against the eminent domain takeover means that they are going to go to the PUC and say, we have every legal right to recoup these expenses from the ratepayers. Now, now, let me let me put this in
1: perspective. This goes back to last week's conversation with the uh, esteemed Dan Miller. Is It starts in uh, circa 1995, as I understand it. There's a steelhead trout in the Carmel River, and a couple of, uh, of very caring uh, biologists and environmentalists say, Hey, th- when I was a kid, we used to fish for this trout and there was tons of them. Right. And now there are none because the Carmel River is not flowing to the sea. because, as I understand it, steelhead trouts are basically salmon. They're, they they're, yeah. they're kind of like salmon where they're fresh and, and saltwater mm-hmm. fish. And so it's overdrafted. So these, this particular uh, variety of trout, which exists. I don't even think it's endangered. I think they exist plentifully in a, a northern parts of the country. Uh they want to re, reintroduce it to the Carmel River and then so the state courts agree that hey you're having an adverse effect on the in, on the environment, let's go ahead and find another source of water. And right. that is going on 30 years ago, 28 years ago.
0: Right. And so and the, in the, mean, yeah. the, in state the state meantime water, I, I think
1: yeah. a gal, Calham has made some good faith efforts to replace that water but at every turn, they're kind of met with some resistance for various yeah. reasons. So, if, if you're defending, so let's because we're both kind of like bagging on the, I guess the elect, the public wants to take over CalAm. I mean, at least they were. Measure J said that. What do you, what are your thoughts? Like, why does the why is the public so hell bent on this? They they're well, basically blaming CalAm for not replacing the Carmel water. Is that well? Is that so
0: correct? so it's two. It's it, there's a couple things going on. You know, first it's. They they chafe at the idea that something as essential to our, our lives as water is owned by a private company. And they use a, a couple of cudgels. They say, well, you know, under the way the state PUC laws is drafted, they are able to be guaranteed a 10% profit on their operations in Monterey every year. And so... And that,
1: that's where you hear from, like, land is Basically, they're incentivized to spend a lot on capital projects so if yeah. they're incentivized to like if something should cost a hundred thousand dollars they'll try to spend a million on it because they'll make more money well
0: hang on a second though it, it, you know what are capital projects for a water company that usually it's a it's efforts to create more water to, to better serve the ratepayers, and we do have a water shortage here notwithstanding all of the rains and everything that we had which really doesn't do us a hell of a lot of good because there's nowhere to store all the water that has fallen in Monterey County that we can use it at least for the Monterey Peninsula. Now that's that's different if if you are you know a customer in Salinas, you have California water over there, or you have Alco water on the east side. Uh, you get your. They, water. Have,
1: they supposedly have inject wells so they can yeah. pump. Uh, water from the Carmel River when there's excess Correct. and then inject it into yeah. some aquifer. But, but yes. it
0: takes a while for that to get in there. And, and uh, But I mean, it's, it's not, you know, what you really need are reservoirs. You need big holding storage ponds of water. And we only have one reservoir left now because we got rid of the dam um, on the Lower Carmel River. And I can't remember if it was San Clemente or or Los Padres. Maybe it was Los Padres that they took out. San Clemente still one of them exists. One San. Clemente well, you and the recall. They were as as we learned from Neil Hotelling. Those dams yep. were built by the Pebble Beach Company way back in the day when when Morris and his buddies were running the show. And there's still one. One dam on the river, it's way out in Keshawa. Okay, if you take Keshawa Road, you can drive right over it and, and look down on it and everything like that. But the, the, October 1995 thing you were talking about was the State Water Resources Control Board issuing Order 1095 for October of 1995, saying that Calam was overdrafting the river by 10,800 acre-feet a year, and that it was a cease and desist order that they had to stop doing that supposedly immediately, but since there was nowhere else to get the water, they've been allowed to uh, continue taking water out of the river, and they're taking less water out of the river now because of some of the things that have happened over the years, like the Peralta Wells and Seaside, and some of the reinjection things that you mentioned, and of course the toilet to Monterey tap. Months. Yeah, yes. Monterey One, the toilet to tap project out there. So, uh, but they haven't been able to replace all the water, and, and Calam has come up with ideas like a new dam on the Carmel River that got killed by voters. They've had a lot of ideas, and of course the desal plant, which I mean, it, it, look, if public water nows, you know, to me the big problem with public ownership. Of, of the water system is the cost that we are going to incur to pay for financing the buyout of Calam. okay? That's just as onerous to the public as a half-billion-dollar desal plant. I mean, either way, ratepayers get it in the neck.
1: Yeah, that's... And this is... Um, yeah, I have, I have no good... I was going to make that point, but I have no good uh, response to that other than I agree with you, admittedly. And and what the what the central issue here is, I think is we had one historian. It was a fishing historian. He was talking about like the history of uh, Japanese citizens and the Italians in um, Monterey Bay, and he had mentioned during that conversation that at one point you could literally cast a net in Monterey Bay and it would just be full of salmon. Like mm-hmm. this bay was just like teeming with salmon. And I think this was. This was before the sardines. I think that, I mean, the large sardine uh, fishermen, this was back in like the late 1800s. Right. And then we started damming the rivers. So, I I mean, you're really left with this Faustian bargain because I think at the heart, I think the heart of uh, the heart of the environmentalist wants zero impact on the environmental. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we have to have salmon? teaming in the Monterey Bay and we have grizzly bears walking through the Sierras or, or is there some middle position? Uh, maybe I'm going way too far back on that, on that thought, but, but you bring it forward to more like closer things like the steelhead trout or whether or not we can have surface water and damming of rivers. And, and we fight every little thing. I, I mean, I say we, but I'm, I'm saying the loudest voices fight those things. And I don't know that they're really good faith negotiators anymore. Cause you really mm. have to, at some point ask them, do you just want us all to move to Nevada or kill ourselves? That's like those are the two. Those are the two choices. Like you don't want people, is what yeah. you don't want. I,
0: I think that there are some people on this peninsula that are so blinded by their ideology that, um, yes. I, and I don't know what the number is that they have in mind, but I think if they could reduce the peninsula's population by ninety percent and not allow any tourists to come here ever again, they would be okay with that, as long as they were among yeah. the ten percent that were allowed to stay living here. They were allowed
1: to. Well, you know what's funny uh, to that point, and I know we're—I mean, this is kind of ridiculous, but also at the same point, I think my 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 statement before is—I is didn't—I don't mean to be pejorative or anything, but there was an article on April's first a year ago. I think it was one year ago on April first in the the weekly. I didn't read the weekly this year. They usually have a April Fools episode, right. or uh, and it was ba- it was said, oh, there's been so many landslides on on Big Sur coast that they've decided that. You're only allowed. We're going to only open it to foot traffic and donkeys or something yeah. like that. And it was this long article about, and and I don't think they were joking.
0: <laughs> <I'll> but <be laughs> well, you know, there you were that. there were people that took it seriously. I will tell you what I can remember a, a an April Fool's issue of the Monterey County Weekly back in the late '90s, and it was like a couple of years after Ford Ord closed, and they did an April Fool's issue where they reported that the Defense Department had reversed itself after the post had been closed for like two or three or four years, and they were going to reopen Fort Ord, okay, and bring all the soldiers back and all that kind of stuff, would not have believed the letters to the editor, the hate from people who wrote to the Weekly about the idea of the military base coming back. Like, you know, they talked about how, you know, they they had to put up with these horrible right-wing military people for all these decades, (laughs) and now we were finally able to get rid of them, and you make a joke about bringing them back. It's no joke, you know, to us. And blah blah blah. I mean, it's just like, oh my god, you know. Then well, you know that your your community has a that there's some real mental illness in your community. And people <laughs> write letters like that to an editor. I
1: do want to say this. This is a very a personal story. But first, I want to say you're listening to What's the Plan on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. I'm Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals. If you need great employees for your business, please give us a call today. We'd love to help you out. Uh, again. That's that's 831 uh, 9201 I I uh, was going to say, I grew up in a town called Central City, Colorado. And it's, um, if you're familiar with uh, Jack Kerouac's On the Road, um, it was a, uh, it had a, a critical, there was a couple critical scenes from that, from that book uh, in Central City. And I always thought I took a little bit of pride with it because it was very, very, it was a hippie, left wing, kind of like John Lennon imagined kind of youth. And I was very, like, we, It was about as close to a communal environment. There were communes there and stuff. So it was a very left-wing community. And we were taught to kind of like hate or at least hold some degree of uh, derision for religious people and right-wing people. And then I joined the military and I lived amongst the the religious and the right-wing. And I found them to be some of the most delightful and wonderful people I've ever met. (laughs) And I found... I found that the people of my youth the the really hardcore you know they believe the Lorax was a psalm and and John Lennon imagines uh you know was was a was a hymnal uh that those were the really the angry and hateful people they were confused and without purpose and and things like that and I I tie a little bit of the environmental movement to that because it's kind of sad in a way because I, I mean, obviously I grew up in the mountains of Colorado. I love the environment. I would hate to see it molested in any way, shape or form. But then there's people as well. And you want to see development and people and just good natured people getting along and being able to live in harmony. And, and it's almost like it's acerbic and caustic that the, the things that we're going through right now as a, as a culture, because I've talked to personal friends and I, you know, I'm here, I have a lot of left-wing friends and right-wing friends, not as many (laughs) right-wing because there's not as many right-wing people here, but but people really do talk like downward at religious people, like they're rubes and they talk bad about right-wing people and they act like they are are some kind of like an elite knowledgeable class that knows more than the next guy. And it's like, no man, we gotta, I really hope that we can find a way to live where you can live Despite your political ideology, because who cares? At the end of the day, you mm-hmm. want someone that mows, mows their grass and pays their taxes to live next to you. Really is what you want. <laughs> it doesn't matter what what else is. Or actually, we don't have grass here, but tends their uh, their uh, drought resistant plants. Yeah, and, right, like, pays their right. taxes. But in any event, you know you just want to get along with people, man. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know why There's so much hate, like particularly like some of the things people say about religious people around here is just like. It's awful. It's like they're not bad people. Nobody's a ugh. anyway. Right. I, I've said too much. Said well, too much, Mark. And we've gone a long way from water, but I, but you get back to the water, and it's really about that root. Like, who am I as a person? I don't want other people around me. I don't want other people moving into my Shangri La, you know, where you know, the beautiful sunsets and the and the coastal cypress.
0: Yeah, there is very much a drawbridge mentality on the Monterey Peninsula, where people want a drawbridge and a moat. Around the the peninsula, and they don't want others to come here, especially if the people don't think and act and you know believe the same way that they do. But uh, final thing, I just want to say on the water situation because we got a couple other things that we we should jump oh, into. Oh sure, yeah. But keep that, us on track here. <laughs> if, if this thing goes to eminent domain and it loses, and Calam retains the water system, the the primal screaming that you are going to hear from the west end of the Monterey Peninsula will be unbelievable. I might just like to to see a court strike it down and say no eminent domain, they get to keep it just for that. So I can just hear the primal screaming coming from these people, because I know that it they just, they will just be beside themselves if they don't get the water system. If they get the water system, you know, somebody like me, I'm like, Oh, well shoot another bad decision, but uh, that we're going to end up living with. But you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and, uh, you know, do things like deface Calam property uh, or scream at people at work for the water company or anything like that. I'm just gonna, you know what? If if I don't win, if my side doesn't win this case, I just go on with my life. So if you're on the other side and you lose, can't you just go on with your life and and not, uh, you know, throw a tantrum? Please, that's all okay hey i i do
1: actually i do want to instead i don't mean to i go, go i ahead. do would love to talk You're about sure. the carmel valley i <laughs> uh, yeah i'd love to talk about the carmel high school and stuff but there's one thing that we passed over in our our pregame uh brief here was the coastal commission oh yes and and there so we did get the, so i you, you understand this and i don't because i'll read this article the the first paragraph of this uh this article that's in the pine cone it says through uh through numerous Monterey County elected, though, I'm oh, sorry, gosh, I don't even how to read. Though numerous Monterey County elected officials were hoping they'd be chosen to fill a vacant seat, uh, including two supervisors, they were passed up in favor of a Carmel Valley woman who's the president of the board of a local slow growth group. And her name is Ann Nothoff. And we've talked to Wendy Root skew and she talked and she explained in depth what I thought the process was. And so, my question to you, Mark, and possibly you don't know, is how did this happen? Because the way know. Wendy explained it to me, they were supposed to get to pick the people who would be nominated.
0: Right. And, but here's or, the, pick thing the people that.
1: they nominated the people who, from which they would be the person right. would be selected.
0: Okay. But he, I thought there was just one vacancy on the commission, and it was filled by a guy from Santa Cruz County a couple weeks ago. So, where did this person come from? So I, I'm I'm completely in the dark about this appointment to, for the Coastal Commission because the narrative that I had been following and most people have been following for the past six months was that there was one opening on the commission for, you know, representing this particular like from San Luis County all the way up through Santa Cruz, San Mateo County, and Monterey County really wanted to have someone on the commission because they hadn't had anybody on the commission for a long time, but it was going to be hard to get somebody from Monterey County on the commission because of politics, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple weeks ago... I hear that it's some guy from Santa Cruz County who's been appo- appointed to the commission. Now there's another person. I, so I, all I can do is plead ignorance. I don't know this story at all. I've got to do more research on it.
1: The thing, what this gets back to is what's confusing about it is, and it kind of goes to what we were talking about with waters is like, there's this, this elite group of people. I mean, the coastal Commission's no joke. I mean, those people have a lot of power and, uh, and there's elite, I mean, it almost seems like almost, uh, you know, somewhat capricious how these people are selected. They're like, we believe this person will do our bidding, so we'll select her. We're going to, I mean, our elected officials, whether you liked it or not, they put together a palette of nominees and some so, I, I don't know, some other elected, but I don't know who gets it. This is why it's opaque, because it's like someone else just gets to pick this woman out of the blue. And it seems that she's probably a wonderful person. I shouldn't, I shouldn't refer to her that way. I'm, I'm sure she's wonderful. But but it's it's confusing to me that we don't really have a say in it. And this person mm-hmm. has so much power. Well, it's, it's very it's confusing to yeah. me. It's so almost it's, like if yeah. they, maybe they don't want the, the maybe they don't want the pre the the desal plant. Maybe she'll uh, I don't know. If she's slow growth, then she probably doesn't want the desal
0: plant. Right. But so so the way the. You know, obviously, we live in a representative democracy. So in the enabling legislation that California voters approved back in the early 70s to establish the State Coastal Commission, there was nothing in there about direct election of coastal commissioners. These would all be political appointees appointed by people who had been elected by voters. So your state senators, your county board of supervisors, the governor, etc, etc, etc. All the appointments are made by elected representatives. So that's that's the, the for, for, form of the representative democracy, uh, you know, doing that. And it's within the purview in our form of government that those uh, elected representatives make appointees to commissions. There, you know, so there are some judgeships that are done that way. Others are elected by voters. But um, that's the way the Coastal Commission was set up back in the early 70s to not have direct election by voters. So, hey, yeah, it's
1: it's a yeah. it's a fact. Fa- I don't know. It's just fascinating. I, yeah. I, maybe we can get someone on the maybe John Laird, the uh, the state senator was uh he may be coming on the show so maybe we can get him to explain it
0: all right so, so go on what's the next oh, story okay we could, we so go on to another one so let's um let's see we got five minutes left so let's see if we can touch on the skate park in pg and parking meters coming possibly to carmel so there's oh, uh, great uh, stories yeah. So <laughs> in carmel paid parking is going to be the subject of four public meetings coming up in the month of may and the, the basically the problem in carmel is that there's very few parking spaces for all the people that come to town uh one of the big Complaints of visitors to Carmel is that, you know, they notice in circling the block that the same cars can be there all day long. So, those are obviously cars that are either, you know, some visitors or they could be, um, you know, employees or employers of businesses. So, the idea behind paid parking would be to uh, force those people, like employers and employees, to use some other identified long-term parking areas in town, maybe the lot at Sunset Center or somewhere else, and leave the on-street parking to the visitors. Now, the only way to do that, they tried kiosks once before, and people didn't like that. Really, the only way to enforce parking, and and if it's time to zone parking, is with parking meters, which I'm sure that is going to be a huge fight if that comes forward out of any of these four public hearings in Carmel. But the, they're looking at revenue from a parking program between 2.84 and $4.5 million annually into the city.
1: Well, can I say? Uh, let me say some stuff on that because we had. Uh, um, well, there, there there's a program called Econ Talk. It's a podcast, and uh, frequent guest David Henderson, the libertarian. I don't, actually he probably doesn't like be referred to as libertarian, but but uh, he has been on that podcast. It's great. It's run by Russ Roberts, uh, mm-hmm. who's a uh, Stanford. Um, yeah, he's an economist out of the University of Chicago and all this. And he had a guest on a while back who did uh, – he's out of UCLA, and he studied parking. And he talked about the transformation of Ventura, California, simply through parking. And he thinks, and to your point about $2 million of revenue, that the best way to do parking is have large parking garages that require some some degree of walking or large parking lots like in Carmel. and But you have to walk those become free but then you have paid parking on the streets and it more than will pay for the beautification of the streets and the sidewalks and it's undeniable if you've been i was lived near ventura in like 2006 and you go back now and it is a it's almost better than santa barbara in many ways in ventura now it's so, and it's amazing that parking uh turning the main street into a walking mall so but it really does make a big difference so i'm a huge proponent i think alvarado street could do the same thing put parking meters on alvarado and make the parking garages free i've said that to tyler williams I sent him and uh, the previous uh, Clyde Roberson the this podcast. I don't know if they listened, but mm-hmm. but it's a parking meters are really really good in situations like this. Two million dollars is a lot of money for Carmel, even in Carmel, to help beautify and keep those streets clean and, yeah. nice, and nice. All right.
0: Well, we'll see what happens. Starting in the month of May, and we'll have more opportunities to talk about that. Then, final subject will be um, the skateboard park that probably won't happen in Pacific Grove. Um, sorry, kids. <laughs> Uh, it's our last item today, and that's because kids don't listen to this program. So who cares? But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, anyway. <laughs> we know we know frequent guests. Dan Miller hates the idea.
1: I love the idea. Pickleball, Dan, if you're listening, pickle and skate parks. That's what I say. Yeah, but Dan put two would of them they together, hate them,
0: right? Yeah, put them together. Put wow, them right where together. do you
1: fall on the skate park? I mean, yeah, well, I don't shoot. see. Let's put it in Washington they, Park.
0: They, they, I think they. I think for the benefit of the kids in the town, they should have that recreational opportunity. Where are you going to find it in a city that's two square miles? That's the huge challenge. And the, the council voted 5-2 at uh, their meeting this Wednesday night to uh, shelve the idea that they're not going to have a skate park at this time in Pacific Grove because they can't identify an area that everybody can agree on that you won't get one side or another threatening to take you to court to stop it because <laughs> you know, the, the you town know, is you so know. doggone small. The, the, you know, it's it's like it's like Carmel. No. It's double the size of Carmel, but there's just nowhere for something like that.
1: Mark, Mark, you know what I love about you and I like our lives is that we live in such beautiful communities, such wonderful communities that the biggest hot button issue <laughs> is a skate park. Right. Like what, to what, 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 uh, what decisions do you have to make in your life to be so fortunate to live in a town where the biggest, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the biggest controversies over a skate park. I want to give the kids a skate park, so I don't know what the heck, Mark. Yeah. I don't know where
0: you fall. Well, I, I saw Maybe. a council member, Coletti, had the idea of let's take some money and buy a van and we'll transport the kids to the skate park in Monterey and back after they're finished skating. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's gonna, the best idea. <laughs> kids I, are, you I, know it's what? Kids He's enough of a I know He's thinking outside the But our, I, kids, I, our I, kids are on enough of a schedule in their lives.
1: I, know. <laughs> we gotta I wrap love it, up. it Mark. All right, I'm Paul Wine, owner of Express Employment. You've been listening to What's the Plan on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. Google us at Express Employment Monterey. I want to thank Mark uh, Mr. Mr. Mark Carbonaro, the greatest producer in the business, and, of course, the great David Marzetti. He's the host of the Saturday morning Shagbag radio show the right here. On-